Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. Hey, welcome back to the Gospel Attic Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan, one of your co-hosts. I'm joined with my friend Jim Rusky. Jim, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Greg. It's good to be with you. It's great to do a podcast. I appreciate. Uh, I always appreciate the opportunity to do these. You just got back from a really cool vacation. You want to tell our viewers where you went? Well, if anyone's interested, we were in Yosemite camping, or no, we, I couldn't say camping. We rented a cabin. But uh, you were glamping, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something like that. We did a that's lot of hiking. My idea of camping. That's right. That's, that's right. What I forgot my house. <laughs> There's a comedian. I think it's. Uh, I love this guy, Jim Gaffigan. He always he he talks about people that you know bring their bring their campers along. He's like, oh yeah, that's what I forgot my house. That's right. That's right. He's like, does um, that even count as camping? All the comforts of home. Yeah. Don't leave about it. But the cool thing was not your housing; it was the place that you were at, Yellowstone National Park. So you got to see what's the so big close. so close. It's the other one that starts with the Y. Oh, Yellowstone. Yeah, you said Yellowstone. We were in Yosemite, and that that mistake was oh. hard to overcome for us. Being at Yosemite, say where are we going tomorrow in Yellowstone? I mean Yosemite. They're just. They just happen to the two of the great national parks we in America, two of the best, happen to start with the letter Y. And I don't know why it's so mentally challenging to keep them straight, but we had a, such a hard time. Yeah, I'm sorry I messed that up. Yo Yosemite. And the big attraction there is that that mountainside, right? Half Dome. Half Dome. There's El Capitan, Half Dome. Um, there's uh, the waterfalls. And so we just went... In spring, some of the roads are even closed because there's still snow. So there's a tremendous amount of runoff. In fact, the valley floor, the river that goes to the valley floor was flooded. Half the half the trail that goes to the valley was flooded out. So much water. But it made the waterfalls just profuse with the volume of water. And it was just gorgeous. So, awesome. uh, yeah, it was great. Awesome. Well, I thought we'd start. We're going to we're going to talk about Psalm 119 because um in our men's Bible study, we're teaching through the Psalms, and I have the privilege of kind of summarizing and teaching the fifth book of the Psalms, which includes Psalms 107 to 150, and I'm really going to kind of zero in on Psalm 119. So we're going to get to that, but before we do, I thought it would be important because the whole kind of premise behind our podcast is that the gospel is not the A, B, C's of the Christian life, but it's the A to Z of the Christian life, that we never move beyond the gospel, that the gospel is the Christian life. It's it's what changes us from the inside out. We have this kind of idea that is often not even necessarily taught, but I think it's just kind of our default setting, that we come to Christ by faith, through grace, through Christ. But then when it comes to our spiritual growth, it's all through hard work and effort. Right. And it's all on us. And we often fall into pride or failure, 
guilt, pride, and uh, we basically have taken our eyes off the gospel and we've kind of, we're relying on ourselves to grow spiritually or we're relying on, outs we're trying to grow from the outside in when real spiritual growth is the inside out as Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger in our lives. So Jim, you're kind of in the process of writing a book on this and you have this, um, I think you kind of summarize this whole concept of gospel driven sanctification with five S's. So I thought it would be appropriate if we just started tonight with you just kind of um, summarizing each one of those S's, if you're comfortable doing that. So, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. And um, that's kind of why I think what you, just to echo, first of all, what you're saying is kind of one of the reasons we're excited to do this podcast because, you know, um, that notion uh, that people say the gospel starts me out in the Christian life. It's the ABCs, but now it's up to me through hard work and effort to live a good Christian life. It's often really well-intentioned. People say, I want to be a good Christian. Isn't that what it means to be a good Christian? You know, my problem, I want to perform for God, right? I want to work hard at this and be really good and maybe God will smile at me and be pleased and what's wrong with all that, right? And so um, so I, I think it can often be well-intentioned, but I think what's you and I both found and we share what's really it, it, you know, really been the driving theme of this podcast is just like that, that um, the gospel is so much different than that, so much deeper than that, so much more than that. It's your whole life. It, it transforms everything. And, and and for me, and you've heard me, I say these words all the time. Once that truth hit me, it was like being born again, again. It was the, it was the notion that the gospel is not just for the start at the, it's for everything the whole way through. That's how you go in the Christian life is a deeper understanding of the cross, the gap between you and him and how he filled that gap with his work and not yours and you grow an appreciation of that. And so that's what really grips my heart now and what motivates me in the Christian life now. So then the five S's are just a kind of way to summarize that. And really, cause I kept as a, um, uh, really came to, I think in my faith, deeper understanding of this through Tim Keller's preaching when we were in a part of his church in New York city. And then afterwards, um, like listening to these, the themes again and again, realizing these themes keep coming up again and again, and they really can be summarized in like five words that all start with the letter S. And so that's why I kind of have a handy, uh, uh, handy way of remembering them. That's great. And just, um, you know, people might say, well, I'm not sure what you're talking about is even biblical, but there's all kinds of biblical, um, references to what we're talking about and i'll just throw out a couple real quick second peter three eighteen. it's at the end of peter's second letter he his last words in his letter is grow but grow in grace and knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ that's right to him be glory both now and forever amen he says grow in grace right that's what we're talking about that spiritual growth we come to Christ by grace, and we grow in grace. And then uh, another one is 1 Corinthians 1.18. that says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. Yeah. It says to us as followers of Christ who are being saved. Yeah. It's like 
So we're saved, and I believe in eternal security that once you place your faith in Christ, that you can't lose your salvation. But there's also a sense in which we're continually being saved um, as we walk with Christ, as we grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. Yeah, we should explore that verse further, because I do think that it's almost like he's combining together the concept of that, but we often distinguish, we say justification and sanctification, like two-step deal, right? One is crossing the threshold, becoming a Christian, the other is a sanctification. And that's often where the confusion lies of like, well, yeah, 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 I got the cross for the justification part. Now it's up, it's up to me. My sanctification's on my back. I've got to work at that. And and that verse he seems to be saying it's a it's all like one big process. So there, there's probably some good word study to do on being saved. But the point is the whole process, the whole rest of your Christian life is all driven by the cross and a growing deeper awareness of what he did for you on the cross which is the gospel. That's the gospel-driven sanctification. That's right. So let's uh, summarize the five S's. Let's start. Oh. What's the first one? Yeah, so we'll do this real quick, and then we'll get to Psalm 119. But uh, in, in, in maybe two or three minutes or less, we'll go through this. Uh, uh, scale. Um, the first one is scale, that we have no sense of scale. We think our sin problem is relatively small. And I think for all of us as Christians— we make a gross miscalculation of scale. Uh, uh, the way I often say it is our sense of... And as you as you share these different S's, you know, share some like scriptural references or... Um, so um, I'm yeah, sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no problem. So um, yeah, but that's... But it's just kind of covering in a, in a kind of a summary fashion so we can get on to Psalm 119. One of the best passages for the sense of scale, the notion that our sense of scale is way off is the story about the log and the speck. You can find it in Luke, but it's also in Matthew. Matthew 7, verses 3 to 5, famous passage. Jesus says, why are you looking at the speck in someone else's eye? Take the log out of your own eye. When you think about how easy it is to spot someone else's problems, but you're not aware of your own. And what he's trying to get at is, you all have a scale problem. You have a sense of scale problem. You're aware of that speck, and the air, the flaw in someone else's life. But you, you've, you know, you've got a log in your own eye, it's not a speck, it's not a fleck, it's not something, it's a log. I mean, and it's a figurative way of saying your sense of scale is way off. You vastly underestimate your sin problem, and we vastly underestimate his holiness, right? And, and, yeah, and the great illustration for that one is Isaiah chapter 6. Oh, yeah. And Isaiah um, gets a vision of God, and he just realizes how amazingly holy God is. And uh, he's overwhelmed by God's holiness. And um, so, that's right. yeah, so I love that. I love that, that whole idea of scale. So that's one of the issues. Like, how do you, so what we're saying is that once you become a Christian, and I remember this, I remember as a new believer, I thought that as a young, brand new Christian, I thought, okay, I'm going to sin less and less. Right. And I felt like, you know, the weeks after I trusted Christ, I was sinning more and more. And right. it was because all of a sudden the light switch went on in my heart and it showed me all the sin. And that light switch is like a dimmer switch. It keeps getting brighter and brighter. And so as we as we walk with Christ, that's what that's what kind of happens. And we have to to figure out how do we deal with that but when and you the experience only solution the only solution to dealing with that is the cross that's right 
because what you experience is the, a hallmark of real Christian growth is growth in your awareness. You're growing in your awareness of sin over time, as opposed to the common characterization of growth in your performance. I'm supposed to be sinning less. I'm becoming a better and better person. It's, you know, I'm, I, I, I don't sin as much as I used to. If you, and in fact, if you say that, you're actually farther away because you're less aware of how sinful you are. Right. You know? That's the funny thing is I felt like I was such a horrible Christian because I, I was so, because I had that, that, that awareness, that awareness was growing. I felt so bad. I felt like I was not a quote, good Christian. Right. You know? But, but it's actually a good thing when, when you experience that, that's, that's evidence that God is in your heart, that God is in your life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When absolutely. you're being convicted of, of thoughts that you had or, or new ways that you had just never thought was um, sinful before. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. But the, so this whole idea of, okay, so scale, is there anything else you want to say about scale? No, we'll just kind of do these quickly because we've done a couple of podcasts before and I think that uh, they're out there and, it's, it's a kind of a intro uh, a conversation tonight, not the main theme of the, you know, but so, but nice review, a nice review. So that's the problem. Of, that's our problem of scale. Uh, we've, we vastly underestimate uh, the distance between his holiness and our own sinfulness. And, and um, I will say the thing that's going to help you understand his holiness is worship. That's the function of worship. That's what worship is there for. It's not so he can hear great words of praise for himself because he already knows how great he is. It's for us to get our heart in line with the reality of how great he is. And then uh, the function of confession, repentance in your life is constantly be growing, growing your awareness of your own depth of your sin. Right. So just the kind of the story you were saying and um, and deeper and deeper layers of your sin. Right. Not just as discrete acts that you might do, like, oh, I told a lie or something. But what are the idols in your life? What are you building your life on? What's um you know, there are layers and layers of self-centeredness, of self-absorption that you don't even know about until the decades go by that you need to have those layers revealed to yourself and understand the depths of your sin. So, but that's scale. That's the first one. The next one is uh, substitution. That's the kind of heart and soul of the gospel. Substitutionary atonement. Um, he lived the life I should have lived. He died the death I should have died. He took my place, right? He's the... And this is the, one of the key verses for this is Romans 3.26. He's both just and justifier. He's holy and perfect, and he's the justifier. He uh, He's the judge on the throne at, um, at my trial, but I'm, I am declared guilty. He's the one that takes the uh, punishment for me. He is a, 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 the substitute. It's really the heart and soul of the whole gospel's substitutionary atonement. Yeah, it's so essentially... You have to come to the point where you realize that you have nothing to offer God as far as your own righteousness. That's right. And that that leads into the next one, which is standing. And this is why, you know, sometimes when you and I, we talk about those, say, say, you know, Bible studies, we've been in when people say, rank yourself on a scale of one to 10. How are you doing in the Christian life? And we were, we joked about this before. People, no one wants to say, well, I'm a nine because it sounds pretentious, but you know, I'm better than the average Christian. Then so maybe I usually I'm a, always say I'm a seven or a six. Or <laughs> right. If I if I'm and, feeling bad, I say six. If I'm feeling pretty good, I say seven because I don't want to say eight or nine because I don't want to come across prideful. That's right. But the reality is the the reality is, and tell the story about your son. Tell the story about your son and how he uh, answered his Bible teacher. 
I'm I'm trying. I'm drawing a blank on the story of my Sony answers Bible teacher. Oh, but well, I think the, it, the, it, it came up in his yes. Bible class. Go ahead. Yes, yes, yes. Because he was asked that. In, thank you. He was asked that. He goes to a Christian high school. He's asked that kind of question. Rank yourself. And we had talked about this. And so he did exactly the right thing. Um, everyone else was doing well, you know, the six and sevens. And uh, some were, well, if I had a bad day, I'm a four. I'll feel so good. And uh, But he'd be done exactly the right answer, which is zero. Uh, and the teacher chided him for it. So, oh, come on. So you're not taking the exercise seriously. Uh, and he said, no, I, I, you know, I have nothing to offer. Nothing in my hands I bring. Only to thy cross I cling. Yeah, I, but, thought maybe, so he, he, I thought maybe he also said he was a zero and a 10. Yes. And that is the key. And that is the key. And I think um, one of the unique contributions I think of this, this book I'm working on hopefully can make is that understanding that in the Christian life. And it really comes from uh, a doctor, doctrine that Martin Luther expressed in Latin, simul justus et peccator, which is I'm a justified sinner, simultaneously a sinner and forgiven. But a great way to grasp that is at the same time, you are you are a zero. You have nothing. You, you, you're you not working 80% of the way there, but Jesus fills in that last 20% that you can't do. You are a zero. But at the same time, in his eyes, you are a perfect 10. Simultaneously, at the same time, a zero and a 10. And that's revolution, revolutionary, revolutionary, right? Um, both revolutionary and revolutionary. Life-changing. Life-changing. Thank you. Um, it's life changing right. when you really understand that because we fall into this trap, like as we grow, as we grow in our relationship with Christ or as we, uh, just kind of fall into churchianity, we, we, we just fall into this trap that it's somehow our goodness. Um, like right. we don't, you know, it's like part, it's like, we want to take credit for part of it. Right. That's right. Like we, we want to impress God with our, our good works. That's right. And so there's a place for that. And you say, well, then what I do anything at all? Because uh, that's the problem of license, right? So that, if that's I'm a 10, then why bother? But it leads to the next S, which is sequence. In other words, it's knowing that he's done all this for you, even though you're a zero. In his eyes, you are a 10. Not because of what you've done, only because of what he's done. And the, and the why do you see that grab? the more grateful you are to him for filling that gap, right? And it's the gratitude that is the engine of the Christian life that propels you forward. So in sequence, in proper sequence, you say, I do want to do all these things. I do want to be a good Christian, and I, uh, to whatever that means. I, I, want to follow, I want to be obedient to his commands. I want, to, I want to be in the word, which we'll get to in Psalm 119 tonight, right? I want to know him and love him, and I want to tell others about him. I want, I want to do all those things. But not because it makes me moves me from being a six to a seven, or a you know three to a four. Uh, it doesn't do anything for my standing. My standing is hundred percent complete already. I'm already at a ten in his eyes, only because I'm out of gratitude of what he's done for me, and that's of, key. Yeah, one of the ways I express this or explain this is, it, you know, doing good works is not something you have to do. Yeah, it's something you get to do. Right. So when you think about all the good things of the Christian life, like going to church, reading the Bible, memorizing the Bible, praying, all these all these spiritual disciplines, they're, they're not something that you have to do. They're something you get to do. And this really, the thing that really changed um, 
our lives is something that Keller really, Tim Keller did a, an amazing job making it very clear is that there's a difference between religion and the gospel. Religion is I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. That's right. But the gospel is I'm accepted by God because of what Christ has already done for me. Therefore I obey. That's right. And that's the, that's, that's what you're talking about, right? The sequence. Yes, that's it. Exactly. That's a, and a great summary of it. So, um, but then, so the question says, well, okay, so I'll do that in sequence. But if it's all a free gift and he's done everything, isn't there anything I need to do? What's my part in doing that? So the sequence is an answer to that. You say in sequence, you do these things for him, but you're not, uh, you don't get, you don't get any credit for that. All, all the credit goes to him. And, but, but the, 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 the question is, well, doesn't that make me kind of passive in the Christian life? The answer is no, there's something you actively have to do. And that is the last test, which is surrender. Mm. And, um, so the uh, there's a thing, there's, and I mentioned this. Like this is from the Reformation. They used to talk about three different elements of saving faith, and they use Latin terms for it, notitia, ascensus, and fiducia. And notitia was a knowledge of the gospel, so you kind of have to know the facts, right? The yeah. basic outline, and then ascensia is like intellectual assent. Yep, that's true. That's really true. And then, but the last one is fiducia. Um, you entrust yourself to it. That's the surrender part. You got to say, Lord, I am moving my trust from what I've done to justify my life. And I'm putting my entire trust in what you've done to justify my life. So that's that's surrender. That's the five S's. That's awesome. That's awesome. And, you know, again, a way that I will often explain that last one is I have this illustration I call the three ways to live. Mm -hmm. And there's basically three ways you can live your life. One is you can follow the rules. One is you can follow your heart or you can follow Jesus. That's right. And most of the time people think that there's two ways. There's following the rules, which is being a religious person or following your heart, which is being irreligious. And so people want to put us as Christians into that category. Oh, they're just rule followers. They're just religious people. Right. But part of our job is to help people understand, no, we're not following the rules. We're not religious people. We're following Jesus. Um, we, we have a relationship with God, a surrendered relationship with God. And that's the thing. The reason why we follow the rules and the reason why we follow our heart is because we want control of our lives. And right. those are two ways we can control our lives. Exactly. You can control your life by just doing whatever your heart tells you to do, or you can control your life by following these rules, whether they're created by somebody else or whether you create them yourself. Those are ways we can feel that control and we want that control. But when you're really living a gospel-driven life, you're living a surrendered life, a life of surrender to Christ. Yeah, so Keller talks about that. Those are two ways of being your own savior, right? You're your own functional savior, right? You yeah. know, I follow the rules that I'm my own savior. I follow the rules God owes me. Or am I, I'm my own savior. I don't need those stinking rules. I do my own thing. Or either way, you're telling me your own savior. But I love that illustration, Greg, the way you put it, those three ways to live. And just as you were describing it this time, a thought occurred to me that is, is you're trying to describe that to a non-believer, they're still going to hear what you're saying as an appeal to follow the rules. 
Yeah. See, so let me tell you about Christianity. It's a third way. It's not that. And, they, and it's so hard to them because they're going to hear, they're, they're the, 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 they listen to you and say, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're saying. I, I know you save it. I know you, you want me to clean up my act and be a better person and be a good Christian, whatever that means. And, and, it, and it's so hard to say, no, I'm not saying that. That's what every religion is saying. Christianity is completely different, right? And, me, and so the illustration we keep talking about is one way to do that. I think the three ways to live, I think you're, that, that notion, I think, is really helpful to say, look, think of those two things. Christianity is not that. It's a third way, right? That's why the religious people were the ones who were most upset about upset with him. Yes. And so then I, that gives me this, another thought that occurred to me tonight as you're describing the three ways to live is that if you're a believer and you tend to be a rule follower, you're a, you're a Christian – but you're in that camp of more like, well, I'm, I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm following all the rules. You don't understand there's three ways to live. You think there's two ways to live. If that kind of rule-following Christian, right, really working hard to be obedient and please God, and move, I'm trying to move, I'm a, I'm a seven now, I'm trying to become an eight. They hear you talking about the gospel and the freedom of the gospel and the third way and how he does that. They hear what you're saying through that person. Say, ah, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear what you're saying is license. Yes. What you're saying is like, you know, just chuck all the rules, do anything I want. That's that's easy peasy. What's the right phrase? It's an easy believism. Yeah. Jesus died for all my sins, past, present, and future, so I can live, eat, drink, and be merry. Is that what you're saying? Right? That's not, but that that's not the gospel either. That's not no. the gospel either. That's why this is so important, this whole topic of gospel-driven Christianity and this whole podcast that we do, because yeah. it's just so easy to fall into those traps, isn't it? Right. It is well, and I think that it's hard. You gotta get someone to kind of drop the lens through which they're hearing everything you're saying. Because I know lots of look, there, there are Christians who go to the other extreme license, and they will hear, like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to hear, I don't, I don't want to. So don't come in and tell me to follow the rules. And, you know, they're in that camp. There are a lot of Christians that are more legalistic. They're going to be in the rule following side. And when you talk about the freedom of the gospel, Jesus paid it all. And you tell me you're a zero in your own eyes. What? What? All my rule following amounts to nothing? But you're a 10 in his eyes. Are you kidding? Just gift, a free gift? And you say, yes, that's the gospel. It's a free gift, right? Um, Ephesians 2, it's a free gift to God. Uh, no, 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 it's too easy, too easy. The thing is, though, as as you come to grips with what Jesus actually accomplished for us, right, it changes you from the inside out, and you realize yes, you, you don't want to sin more. You want to you you're so grateful for what He did for you that your gratitude is is the engine, yeah. That, is the engine of the Christian life Over, overwhelmingly so, and and and, and that sequence—that's the sequence that comes to you. So you say that the, the if you're talking to the rule follower Christian, you say, no, there is a place for all your good works, right? It's not to justify yourself; it's in loving response, purely out of gratitude that you give back to him because you want, like you said, not because you have to, because you want to. But it's all in proper sequence, all in proper sequence. Okay, so let's bring this to a close. So, what are the five S's again? Pull them up. I was joking with you earlier that the older I get, I never want to start any sentence by saying there are three things that reminds me of because by the time I do the first two, I'll forget the third one. So I kind of, I always say now there's several things that reminds me of. So let me pull up the five S's. The five S's in quick summary: scale, substitution, standing, sequence, and surrender. 
Way to summarize the gospel. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.